Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. This week on the podcast, I did an interview with my pastor, Darren Stid, and I hope that you all enjoy it. Please, uh, more than other episodes, of course, I want you to share every episode, but more than other episodes, share this one help get the word out there about Pastor Darren Stid. You'll be hard-pressed to find a more faithful pastor out there. And sure, I'm biased saying that because he's my pastor. But also, there's a reason why that I led my family to join Darren's church after I had been friends with him for several years and gotten to know him well. So I hope you all really like this and that you learn a lot about Darren and about what he's going through and has been going through since since the beginning of last year and ways that you can help. All right, so I am here with my pastor, Darren Stid, and uh, basically in this, I want to let Darren talk about some of the ministry and uh, then what's gone on with uh, his concussion last year and uh, like re-injury since then and uh, uh, his plan to get treatment for it and the gifts and go about it. Some of y'all might be familiar with Darren Stid. Uh, uh, if not, maybe you heard uh, on Apology a month or two ago, uh, Jeff Durbin was talking about making fun of his friend who had a shaving accident, and that's my pastor, Darren Stid. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that, but that is right. He, I'll tell you what, man, um, I have gotten so many comments. My beard has grown back now, so everybody can rest. So you're reformed uh, but- again. Yes, that's right. I'm reformed again. I uh, I had a, a terrible shaving accident. I was trimming my beard and the guard fell off. And uh, so I had to shave my face and then I looked in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, that's why I grew a beard. So, um, but he gave me, he, Jeff, we were, Jeff and I were together in Alabama that next week. And he gave me grief about it. We were there for four days. He gave me grief about it every day. <laughs> Him and Jason Storms, all those guys. But, and the funny thing is, um, we had, uh, the week before that, we had been in Atlanta meeting with politicians and pastors and stuff like that. And so I couldn't let it grow back out because, you know, it looks really bad there in the beginning. So I had to shave every day for three weeks between Georgia and Alabama before I could finally let it grow back out. So it was a very hard season, Jeremy. It was very hard, but I got through it by the grace of God, you know. I'm just glad we don't believe in once shaved, always shaved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, so anyways, uh, tell the people some of the ministry that you're involved with, with Harmony and uh, with OSA. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my first, yeah, of course, my first ministry, I was going to say my first ministry is to the church. I'm a Baptist. Of course, my first ministry is to my family. Um, and then in terms of public ministry, uh, so I'm the pastor at Harmony Baptist Church. Um, I've been there for almost five years now. It'll be five years in uh, December. And um, so I love the church. It's a really awesome church in a small town in Indiana. I think we're in Frankfort, Indiana. I think the population here is like 
you know, it's less than 10,000 people if memory serves. It's a blue collar, you know, farming, agricultural, um, and then there's a lot of factories and, and that sort of thing. And so it's a very blue collar community. Um, I'm grateful for the men in our church. We have a lot of really strong men in our church who I'm tremendously grateful for. And so uh, I'm the primary teaching pastor there. I'm the only pastor there right now. Brandon Scout was there for a year and a half, and that was a tremendous blessing. But right now I'm the only uh, pastor there. We're raising up some elders. And uh, so, yeah, that's my primary ministry. I love the church. I love the people. I love the community. And uh, God's really blessed me to have the opportunity to pastor uh, pastor this church. It's the 1689 uh, Reformed Baptist uh, Church. And so that's Harmony. And then um, I've been involved with Operation Save America since 2017. Um, I first met Rusty Thomas when we were putting together a event here in Indiana. And uh, there's you can listen to, I just did an interview with him a couple of weeks back and all the details about that are in that podcast. So just encourage people to go check that out rather than running back over all that here. But um, that's how him and I met. He was the national director of OSA at the time. And uh, he really kind of took me under his wing and discipled and mentored me, helped me learn the ropes with regards to fighting in the battle to end the slaughter of innocent children and to go to war with child sacrifice in our culture. And uh, then in 2020, um, it came time for him. He's ready to um, semi-retire. Rusty's really not retired. I don't think he'll ever really retire. He's just a minister of the gospel. He's going to preach the word as long as he physically is able. But he needed to, it was time for him to step away from OSA as national director. And so um, he asked Jason Storms to be the national director. And then uh, he and Jason asked me to be one of two assistants. Lucas Childress is the other guy. So I'm um, the system director of Operation Save America. And basically, uh, I do a lot of writing uh, for OSA. Anytime you get an email, I encourage people to get on our email list, uh, operationsaveamerica.org. Uh, you can get on our email list and stay up to Dan on everything that we're doing out there. But anytime you get an email from OSA, most of those are written by me. Um, a lot of stuff on our website um, I wrote. So I do a lot of writing, do a lot of discipleship of men, um, and then just do a lot of recruiting and mobilizing churches and Christians to get to the sidewalk, speak up on behalf of the preborn, and get involved in a legislative battle to end abortion. So those are kind of the two things uh, that I'm primarily involved with. And, um, it's um, they've been a tremendous blessing. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for both, um, and God has really given me an opportunity to use whatever gifts He's given me for the sake of His kingdom in both of those two endeavors. That's great. I think around the time you got involved with OSA, or when you met Rusty, was probably around the time I first heard of them from Jeff Durbin having a Rusty Thomas on Apologia and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, one of the things that I love about OSA is the um, faithful, older, godly men pouring into younger men. And there's a lot of kingdom fruit from OSA that a lot of people don't know about. So Jeff got involved in the battle to end abortion. Um, now, people know about this. Jeff talks about this a lot. But Jeff got involved in the battle in abortion. In part, there were a couple of different things. But one of the things was this documentary called Babies Are Murdered Here. Um, and I encourage people to watch that documentary. And uh, in that documentary, the sort of the pathway of the documentary, so to speak, is a sermon by Rusty Thomas. So there's a series of different clips of Rusty preaching in that documentary. It's a very powerful sermon. And that sort of brought Jeff into Jeff and those guys, Luke, all those guys that apology. I love all those guys. 
Um, that sort of brought them into the battle to end abortion, which is interesting because Jeff and then a guy named Brian Schrank here in Indiana, the guys at Apologia were heavily, I was looking into some things on presuppositional apologetics and I found Jeff Durbin and then I got interested in what they were doing with regard to abortion and ended up, that was a part of what got me involved in the fight to end abortion. And then I met Rusty Thomas. So it's interesting how all those things always work together. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot, and there's a lot of those kinds of stories, Love Life, uh, End Abortion Now, um, many, many different organizations out there that are principled in the battle in abortion. Rusty Thomas and the guys at Operation Save America had a hand in helping get started. That's cool. Now, if I'm right on this, what didn't Marcus Pittman make babies are murdered here? And wasn't he already helping out with Apologia at that time? And maybe that's how Jeff Durbin came to watch it was like one of his best friends made it or something. I don't know. Um, I don't remember if Marcus ended up at Apologia before or after. I want to say he was there on the tail end of making Babies Are Murdered Here. Okay. And uh, him and John Speed worked together on that um, on that documentary along with obviously John Burroughs who, and a, a lot of other guys. Um, and uh, I do believe that he ended up, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I, if memory serves, it may be that he ended up at Apologia sort of coming on the tail end of making that documentary. And um, he really, uh, Marcus really helped those guys um, in terms of like video production and that sort of thing uh, for the, I think he was there for three or four years. And uh, a lot of some of the early success that they had, uh, Marcus was really able to help those guys out a lot. So um, he's a, and he, uh, so the funny thing is if you watch Babies Are Murdered Here too, you find out Rusty didn't even know he was in that documentary. He didn't find out until after the documentary came out. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, there's just a lot that went into making the documentary. And, um, so I don't know as far as how Marcus got involved with apology or whatever. I don't know. That's how I knew who Marcus was because I saw him on apology radio, um, several times. I didn't even know he was involved in making the documentary until later. So, but, um, good brother, I strongly encourage uh, anybody who's listening to check out Lore TV. Uh, they're doing good things there. John Speed, love both of those brothers. Yeah, and since you mentioned John Barrows, I uh, want to make an announcement to be praying for him because it was just publicly announced that he's got pancreatic cancer. I don't know what stage, but any stage of pancreatic cancer is always bad. Yeah, definitely pray for him. Um, you know, in terms of men who have faithfully gone to the mill, the sidewalk out in front of the abortion mill to speak up on behalf of the preborn, it's hard to find anybody that's more faithful than John Burroughs. I mean, my mm -hmm. brother has been faithful at that clinic there in Florida. Literally, if you go to the clinic, literally the sidewalk, there are indentions where he stands on the sidewalk there in front of the abortion mill because he is so faithfully, the concrete is worn out there because it, right where he stands because he has so faithfully gone there to menace the gospel. He's a giant and um, I'm tremendously grateful for him. He's also a good brother. Um, and so to find out he has pancreatic cancer was definitely a, a troubling uh, to hear. So please, please, everybody pray for John. Um, he's a good brother and the Lord has used him mightily in this battle. Yeah. The pregnancy clinic, he refers women to, uh, the director of that clinic, her name is Vicki Matthews. And I've gotten to hang out with her a few times. And one of the times I got to hang out with her, I asked her if she has any new John Barrow stories. And her response was always, or something like that. Like she just always has new stories with him. Yeah, he really is. I mean, like if you talk to John too, I mean, basically his testimony always is, 
when when you're faithful to show up, God will work. God will work mightily through you if you just keep showing up. And much of his ministry is, has been about that. God has done amazing things through his faithfulness. And um, if you just sit and hang out with him, I got to hang out with him in Oklahoma in 2020. We spent him and Marcus caught me in the hallway. Actually, him and Marcus Pittman caught me in the hallway between sessions, and we're trying to turn me into a Pado Baptist. Um, but uh, but if you just hang out with him and listen to his stories, man, he's always giving glory to God. And um, his big thing is that the people of God need to show up, and God works through His people when they show up. And so, um, just good brother, man. And God mm. has done many amazing things to him. There's a lot of good stories there to be told. But now we're talking about other people for the last little bit when we should be talking about you. <laughs> no, that's okay, man. It's good. Let's talk about those are all good brothers we just talked about. Apologia and abortion now. You know, John Burroughs, Love Life, John Speed, uh, anything those guys are doing, man. Um, I love all those guys. Most of what I know and learn and most of what I do is based on what I learned from those guys. So I uh, couldn't spend, I mean, not enough time to give gratitude to those guys. So tremendously mm -hmm. grateful for all of them. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of transitioning there from your ministry with Harmony Baptist Church and Operation Save America, could you tell the audience a little bit about what you've been going through for, what, about one and two thirds years now since January of last year with the initial brain injury? Yeah, that's about right. It's been a little over a year and nine months now. I. It's so weird. Um you know, I've had concussions before. I was an athlete in high school. You know, I wrestled and I played football and I had concussions. And, you know, I you get a concussion, you go home, you sleep it off, you know, and the next couple of days, you know, you're fine. And uh, so this has been a very weird ordeal for the last year and whatever it's been, like you said, a year and two thirds. Um, in January of 2021, uh, my aunt passed away. And so... Um, my family and I were just recovering from COVID and um, I don't know, man, we're saying all the words that are going to get your, uh, your podcast episode knocked down on the list, I guess. COVID, I use, abortion, uh, all that I stuff. I use Dropwave but, for my podcast hosts, so they don't care about anything. No, let well, me say good. whatever. Praise God. Love Dropwave. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I, I, I was, uh, I was recovering. My family was recovering from COVID. I had just kind of gotten over it. Three, two, two or three days at a time and my aunt's funeral was happening that night and so I uh, made the last minute decision they asked me to speak not to officiate but to speak and I made a last minute judgment call that I was okay to go and so I went down and I, I spoke at her funeral and um, it was a good time for, for a funeral it was a blessing to have the opportunity to speak there and I shared the gospel with my family and they were all very receptive to that it was it was good then we had a get together afterwards and that night it was in january during the funeral it started icing outside and so we go outside everybody's slipping and sliding and you know get in the car and, and drive over to my aunt's house and my aunt's house is a sheet of ice on the road in front of her house and so i get my truck over there and i park my truck and when i'm getting out of my truck so i drive a GMC uh, 1500 that sits kind of high off the ground and I went to jump out of my truck and I was just not paying attention because I was thinking about something else and right when I stepped out of the truck my feet shot out from under me and the full my body just basically went into a free fall 
and I fell and banged the back of my head on the bottom frame of my truck um, at sort of full speed. I went unconscious. I don't know for how long, but it wasn't that long because I didn't have like, you know, any kind of like frostbite or anything like that. I went inside and it was became very evident pretty quickly that I had a concussion. Um, but I didn't, I mean, you know, okay, I've had concussions before, as I said, you know, so I thought, man, I'll just sleep it off, you know, whatever, no big deal. So I slept in my brother's house that night. And the next day I woke up, I still didn't feel good. My wife and I had a trip to Utah. So we flew out to Utah. And the whole time we were in Utah, I just slept. We got home and it was about a week later, I was noticing that the symptoms were not getting better, but that they were just getting a lot worse. And so I went to the hospital and they checked me out and said, well, yeah, you have a concussion, you know, just give it some time, you know, and it'll get better. Well, it kept not getting better and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, so we went to this doctor that specializes in concussions and he diagnosed me with post-concussion syndrome, which is something I never heard of before. And um, basically what that is, is you get a concussion and your body doesn't recover from the symptoms. Um, at least not in the amount of time. It's not indefinite, but not in the amount of time that's normal. And so um, I was not recovering. I wasn't getting better. My head was, um, my ears were really loud. Uh, my eyes couldn't focus. And my brain, what we discovered is that my brain was in severe fight or flight mode all the time. And so I did a series of treatments and I was starting to get better, but then I hit my head again. And that's sort of been the pattern for the last year and nine months. Um, one of the things that happens when you have post-concussion syndrome, one of the, it perpetuates concussions because you lose track of where your head's at in space. And so it becomes very easy to hit your head again. And that's what's happened with my, with me since that first concussion, I think I've had about eight or nine re-injuries. And every time you re-injure yourself, that comes with a new set that sometimes comes with a new set of symptoms. And then at, you know, an, an uh, exacerbation of the old symptoms or a reoccurrence of the old symptoms. And so uh, so that's where we're at right now. I hit my head when I was in Atlanta. And then again, one other time when I got home from Atlanta, when I was at the gym. And uh, so I kind of went into this stage of just severe regression again. And um, trying to, I'm, I'm talking on and on and on here. I don't know just what you want. If you interrupt Go me, ahead. if you want to interrupt me. Keep going. Uh, but uh, so I, I um, every concussion comes with its own um, symptoms and then some of the previous symptoms. And so um, I, the, the new symptom this time, which really concerned us, um, is um, just visual and auditory hallucinations. And so that was sort of a new low when that started, not psychotic hallucinations. So it's like you see something and you know that it's not there. Your brain is telling you that's not really there. You hear something and your brain is telling you that's not really there. And so we kind of decided, okay, we need to press pause on everything. Up until now, I had been trying to, I spent some time off at the beginning, but I've been trying to continue to do my work at OSA and continue to pass the church. And we kind of decided, okay, we got to press pause on everything right now. We got to step away from everything and we got to figure out how to treat this um, because, you know, this is sort of a new low. And so that's kind of where things are at right now. So, um, so kind of where we're at, we found a treatment facility. I have a friend um, who's a doctor. I don't know if he's a doctor. He might actually be a nurse practitioner. 
um, whose daughter had a bunch of concussions. And um, she went through something similar to what I'm going through. And they found this facility in Atlanta that specializes in brain function and structure and function when it comes to the brain. And so we're going to, I'm going to go out there next week. I'm going to be gone for 14 days. And um, I'm taking an eight week sabbatical right now. So I'm taking eight weeks away from ministry altogether, every form of ministry. When I get to Georgia, I'm going to shut off Facebook on my phone, take a break from social media, and just focus on trying to recover. And so, um, that's kind of the plan. Um, and then after those eight weeks, I'm going to do a series of NAD treatments. Um, I don't want to, uh, go watch Jeff Durbin's <laughs> section on NAD on Apologia. If you want to learn about it, he's said some stuff on there about it at the end of the previous three episodes. Um, and so, um, basically NAD is a, um, it's it's naturally created in your body, but you use it. You have more of it when you're young. You use it over the course of your life, but it's uh, helps with cellular reproduction or cellular uh, repair. And so, uh, this stuff called NAD is really good for brain treatments or for concussion recovery. And so, between those two things, we're hoping that they'll be able to get me over the hump, so that I can at least start the road back to recovery. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. From the stuff Jeff Durbin said about NAD, it sounds like it's really great for a lot of stuff. So hopefully, yeah, that it is really helps. Yeah, the it, that um, a friend uh, Dennis um, Dennis Arfate is a professional or uh, retired professional baseball player. Um, he was a pitcher, and um, he played in the uh, MLB, and then he also played in Japan. And um, as a result of pitching, he had to have a hip replacement. And um, so he had his hip replaced, and then because he was a professional athlete, he immediately went into these NAD treatments, and he was up jogging the next week. So um, that's how powerful this stuff is. Uh, and so they have um, Apologia has a company that they've been working with. That's the company I'm going to use. They have a discount code if you listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, all the information's on there, but you can get a discount through them. And so that's kind of what I'm going to do. I've done a lot of research on NAD. I've talked to several medical professionals about it and everybody seems to think that it's something that's going to help. So between that and this facility in Atlanta, uh, we're hoping that it'll help get me on the road to recovery. The thing about concussions is, I guess I'll share this. I've been trying to share this every time I have an opportunity to talk about this. I didn't know before I hit my head. Okay. I didn't know how much we don't know about the human brain. Um, I, I, many times over the course of the last year, nine months, I've been having a conversation with a medical professional and they've had to say, I just don't know. Like, we don't know why the brain does this. We don't know why certain head hits cause this and other ones don't. We don't know why, you know, this brain injury goes for five years and this one only goes for three days. We don't know. Um, there's a lot that they don't know about how to treat brain injuries. A lot of the information that like neurologists are working off of is old information. There's a whole new, there's a whole new field of study when it comes to the concussions because of some things that happened in the NFL and in the military. And so there's a lot of new ideas about concussions that are sort of formulating right now, but there's a lot that the medical community doesn't understand about concussions. And so 
when you have this syndrome, post-concussion syndrome, it's a very challenging, difficult thing to navigate medical care because you have to find just the right person who actually knows, understands concussions, you know, based on the up-to-date information and so forth. And um, a lot of the treatments that are useful for this kind of a thing are not your traditional medical treatments, but they're things that sort of operate outside of just the traditional medical system. And I mean, I think we've all learned in the last couple of years with the COVID vaccine and all that stuff that, you know, maybe maybe the medical industry is not as trustworthy as we once thought that it was. And so, you know, we've seen that with this concussion too, that, you know, the I'm treatment options to... when... Oh, go ahead, brother. I was just say I'm having to bite my tongue on uh, some implications of what you just said about psychology versus biblical counseling. Oh yeah. Well, that's another thing. I mean, I could, we, so we did, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up actually. So my wife and I actually went and saw a biblical counselor for about 12 weeks. Um, and so for those of you, if you got a lot of followers that are into biblical counseling, if you've ever heard of faith church in Lafayette, that's right up the road from my church. And, uh, Rob Green is the guy that runs the counseling ministry there. And, um, he's a friend of mine. Um, and he, we, we saw him for 12 weeks and he helped us work through some of the different aspects of how to deal with this from a Christian sort of biblical standpoint. And, uh, it was tremendously helpful. Um, and so, you know, we were separating the differences between what's physical and what's spiritual, which is an important thing in biblical counseling. Um, and so there were a lot of challenges for us, you know, my wife, you know, when you, when you have a brain injury, I don't know how much you want me to talk about this stuff. So I want to just take over your show, but, um, when you have a brain injury, it's weird. Like certain aspects of your personality change depending upon the severity of the brain injury. So, because you jostle those neuro those neurological paths that sort of help to make you the personality that you are. So, like before the brain injury, I was an extreme extrovert. I don't think I'd have to convince anybody that knows me of that. You know, it's very evident. Um, I love to be around people. I love to be in the middle of the mix of whatever's going on and that sort of thing. Since the brain injury, I tend to be more of an introvert because I don't, um, I don't really like being around people right now. People are noisy and being around people is draining. Um, not that I don't like the people. I still love the people, but just being around them is hard on me, whereas it wasn't before. You know, when I, um, before I had the brain injury, um, I was, uh, one of the things Rob told us is he said, people tend to either live out of pride or fear. And before I had the brain injury, pride would be the primary sin that I struggle with. Um, and I did, I waged war with it and I learned to war with it and so forth. After the brain injury, I was more prone to fear than pride. And that's weird to me as a almost 40 year old man who's never wrestled with fear. I've never been fearful. I've now I have been bold when I shouldn't have been. And I have taken some shots that I shouldn't have taken because I thought too highly of myself. There were times that I should have been more cautious that I wasn't, but I've never been fearful. And suddenly since the concussion, now it's not so much pride, but more fear that I wrestle with. So Rob sort of helped us think through all of this. And one of the things that we learned is that we live in a culture that is obsessed with personality. You know, am I an introvert or an extrovert? Am I a red or a blue or a green or a yellow? Am I a ENFP or an INTJ or whatever? 
And people are obsessed with that stuff. They spend hours and hours and hours of time on that sort of thing. And the thing that we learned that a lot of people don't know is those things are not set in stone. Those things can change depending upon a variety of different things that happen in your life. And so what matters more than personality is character. And that was one of the big things that Rob sort of helped us to see. Not that, I mean, I was always a biblical counseling guy. We didn't spend a lot of time on that sort of stuff. But realizing that key aspects of my personality had changed and that certain things that had once been easy for me were now more challenging. And then there were some things that were more challenging that were now a little easier. Navigating all of that as a Christian, what do you do when you're navigating all that as a Christian? Well, regardless of what's easy or difficult, you choose to do the thing that honors the Lord. And um, that was a, we had to relearn how to do that in, under these circumstances. And so that was challenging, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the biblical counseling movement and uh, grateful to Rob Green and Faith Church in Lafayette. And for, you know, they really invested in us and helped me get through, helped, helped Katrina and I get through a really difficult uh, spot that we were in. And so, um, you know, praise the Lord for those guys. And pastors should seek out big biblical counseling when they need it, you know. And um, so that was, that's, that's kind of what, kind of what happened there. And it was huge for us. I would encourage your listeners to take that under consideration too. Um, you know, your podcast is primarily about, not about this sort of thing, although I'm sure medical, you know, the medical community and all that figures into when you're talking about economics and so forth. But when it comes to things like personal finance, you know, this, the, your, your podcast is Theana Money. It's about thinking about finances and economics from, from a biblical standpoint. And a lot of times when people talk about finances, you talk about you got the spender and you got the saver, right? And those are personality traits. But the reality is regardless of your personality traits, you need to do what honors God. And I had to learn that as certain aspects of my personality, certain personality traits change because of the concussion. The fact that my personality has shifted doesn't change the fact that I need to honor God. And so the whole time I've been going through this, I've had a focus on, from the very beginning, I'm not going to use this concussion as an excuse to sin. I'm not going to lose my temper with my wife. I'm not going to lose my temper with my children. I'm not going to allow myself to be, I'm not going to allow myself, when I do do things that I shouldn't do, I'm not going to allow myself to justify it on the basis of the concussion. And I'm going to, I'm going to honor God through this circumstance. And, um, Rob helped us think through a little bit of the how to do that because it was challenging. So I would say I'm tremendously grateful for um, biblical counselors, the counseling movement. Yeah. So that was really good. That was um, a lot of good information, not just about the injury, but processing through it and thinking about the Christian way of responding to it, not just thinking like, oh, wow, this was really bad, but, you know, God's sovereign and almost becoming like a stoic of God's sovereignty about it, but like really thinking through a Christian way of responding to it and thinking through it. So that, that was really good. And uh, I know you've got the Give, Send, Go to help raise the funds for this treatment in Atlanta and the NAD patches afterwards. So could you take a few minutes to talk about that? Yeah. So um, a friend of ours named uh, Sydney started this Gibson Go uh, actually a while back uh, when I was getting treatment the first at the beginning of this. And so um, we could, kind of prayed about what to do. We found out about this facility from our friend and uh, we're just kind of figuring out what to do. And we, obviously we don't have the funds to be able to pay for the facility. 
And so um, we kind of determined, okay, well, let's, um, we'll go to the people of God. We'll go to the church and we'll see, you know, we'll put the need out there and let people know that it's there and we'll see perhaps the Lord will provide through his people. And so we prayed about it and we made the need known. And so it's, there's a Gibson, there's a Gibson go link out there. Um, it's an old, it's an old Gibson go. So there were funds raised on there before. Um, and then Katrina adjusted the, uh, amount that we need on the basis of all that. So, but, um, but yeah, so that's, um, we're grateful for Gibson go because it's operated by a Christian, uh, it's a Christian organization from what I understand operated by Christians. And so, uh, we were able to, uh, we've been able to raise some support on there and the Lord has provided a lot. We still have a little ways to go, uh, but we're trusting him. And so that's, um, that's, uh, that's available. I believe you have the link. Uh, and so anybody who's, you know, willing to, um, help us out, you know, obviously we're tremendously grateful to that. Every time somebody contributes, um, financially, I'm always blown away. Um, and just tremendously humbled. And I'm grateful for the people of God helping us out as we try to figure out how to navigate through all this. So, yeah. So I'll drop that link in the description. And uh, this would be a great way for Christians to come together and help the needs of fellow Christians. Uh, whether you're listening and you already know who Darren is or you've never heard of him before this, he's a faithful pastor. Um, you know, people say that expression. Um, the best pastor in the world is some guy in the middle of nowhere that you've probably never heard of before. When I hear people say that, there are two people that come to mind, Darren and a guy named Danny Emo, who pastors Pearl Street Reformed Baptist Church in Paola, Kansas. And I think those two guys are two guys that really exemplify that saying people say. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to serve the people of God and, um, yeah, so I'm grateful. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, any closing remarks you want to say or anything like that? No, I just want to say um, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the podcast that you do and, you know, I appreciate your audience uh, taking the time to endure through all my jibber jabber. So um, thank you, brother. I appreciate you letting me come on here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for being on. All right. God bless, brother. All right, so that was the interview with Darren. If y'all want to support Darren, then please uh, check out the Give, Send, Go link in uh, the description of this episode. Share the episode uh, or just share the Give, Send, Go link without sharing the episode. And uh, please be praying for Pastor Darren as well, that God uh, blesses this treatment and works through it. And uh, Darren is better than he's been in a long time because of it. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Say